Here on the ground, change happens fast. Problems feel frequent and urgent. It's loud and anxiety runs high. From a satellite view, the Earth looks the same as it did thousands of years ago. We've been here before. Let's learn from our past and shoot for a better future. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Satellite View. I'm Todd Mickelson, your host, speaking at you from Friday, January 5th, 2024. First show of the new year. Took a couple weeks off. It was it was a good rest, but uh, I was kind of anxious to get back at it because there's just so much to talk about as per usual. I was going to do a whole different historical step back. Uh, I've changed my mind, though, just today <laughs> because of the news constantly happening. Let's go back in history now. We're going to go back. Uh, we're going to jump around a little bit in the past. We're going to be talking about the Second Amendment. It's always important to note that the Second Amendment neither prohibited nor protected the right of an individual to own and or carry a gun. I know right-wingers say that that's not true. It simply is true. It does not prohibit nor protect the right of an individual to own and or carry a gun. I'm going to read to you from toddmickelson.com. I did a, a, an extremely deep research job back in 2015, and you can find this on toddmickelson.com. If you go there, you can read the entire article. I'm only going to read the ending part. Not only does the Second Amendment neither prohibit nor protect the right of an individual to own or carry a gun, but acts of Congress and the Supreme Court rulings uh, would later on use the wording of the Second Amendment to uphold gun regulations. Now, here's a little story going back to 1917 or so. During World War I, a guy by the name of he was a general, and his name was John T. Thomas. He wanted to develop a handheld machine gun to help the U.S. forces in World War I. He came up with a working version. But the war ended two days before he was going to send a shipment of them to Europe. Can you believe it? <laughs> Since the military no longer needed it, General Thompson's new company decided to try and make their money back by marketing the gun to the public. They named it the Thompson Submachine Gun, later to be known as the Tommy Gun. It's interesting to note here, too, that after World War I, we basically dismantled our military. We didn't keep any of our equipment that we manufactured in order to fight World War I. We melted it all down and repurposed it. And we went back to having our military be as thin and small as it possibly could be. That was the original idea in this country. As a matter of fact, that's part of why the Second Amendment is part of the Constitution. It helped us keep a small, as small as possible of a military. Getting back to the Tommy gun. The Tommy gun, of course, as we all know, played a major role in the mob violence of the 20s and 30s. Using military-grade weapons, the criminals were better armed than the authorities or the cops. So in 1934, Congress passed the National Firearms Act, also known as the NFA, which ruled military-grade weapons along with some other guns and silencers 
had to be registered and taxed. In a 1939 challenge to that NFA, the Supreme Court used the language from the Second Amendment to uphold the NFA using this quote, The court cannot take judicial notice that a shotgun having a barrel less than 18 inches long has today any reasonable relation to the preservation or efficiency of a well-regulated militia, and therefore cannot say that the Second Amendment guarantees to the citizen the right to keep and bear such a weapon. By this time, though, there was an organization that was thought to be an authority on the safe use of guns. This organization was established in 1871. It was inspired by a Union Army report after the Civil War that said that there were about 1,000 rifle shots by Union soldiers for each Confederate soldier hit. Rifles were a very new concept in the Civil War. There were riflemen, but they weren't all that (laughs) well-trained. So... The organization's, uh, let's get back to the article here. This organization's first president was General Ambrose Burnside. Uh, Of course, he had big, huge sideburns. (laughs) Uh, The sideburns actually named after Burnside. Sideburn, Burnside, get it? Anyway, so he was the first president. The eighth president of this organization was General and later President Ulysses S. Grant. The primary goal of this organization was to promote and encourage rifle shooting on a scientific basis. Congress gathered representatives from this organization, along with members of the National Guard and the United States military, to create the National Board for the Promotion of Rifle Practice in 1901. And you probably guessed by now that this organization I'm describing is the National Rifle Association, also known as the NRA. It supported both the National Firearms Act in 1934 that I mentioned and also the Gun Control Act of 1968. The NRA supported both of those acts. It wasn't for more than 100 years after the inception of the NRA that it turned into the entity we know today, or actually that we knew a few years ago because now it's taken on a whole nother meaning. It should also be noted that in 1995, President George Herbert Walker Bush resigned his lifelong NRA membership. His resignation letter included this paragraph describing part of a membership drive letter that the NRA had sent out. So here's what George H.W. Bush writes in his resignation from the NRA letter. I was outraged when even in the wake of the Oklahoma City tragedy, Mr. Wayne LaPierre, executive vice president of NRA, defended his attack on federal agents as jackbooted thugs to attack Secret Service agents or ATF people or any government law enforcement people as wearing Nazi bucket helmets and black stormtrooper uniforms wanting to attack law-abiding citizens is a vicious slander on good people. Uh, He wasn't the greatest writer either, just like his son and the other Republican president that we've had since him. <laughs> we moved, By the way, not only did uh, George Herbert Walker Bush renounce his membership to the NRA in 1995, my dad was an NRA member. You know, he was kind of a, you know, went hunting and stuff with his buddies. 
I know he renounced his NRA membership. I think he did it like in the early 80s or, or so when the NRA first became crazy militant. I know he did it at least before Wayne LaPierre became involved. And Wayne LaPierre made the news just a couple hours ago, if even that long, maybe an hour and a half ago. Again, we're speaking at you from January 5th. I'm reading from an NBC News article. There are a lot of articles out on this. This is a kind of a succinct one. I just chose this one for no good reason. Wayne LaPierre resigned as leader of the National Rifle Association on Friday, January 5th, ending his decades-long reign over the prominent gun rights group Days. Before the start of his civil trial in New York, he has led the NRA for more than 30 years. LaPierre and three other current and former NRA leaders are fending off a lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James in 2020 that alleges they violated nonprofit laws and misused millions of dollars of NRA funds to finance lavish lifestyles for themselves. The lawsuit alleges that LaPierre diverted millions of dollars away from the group's charitable charitable mission for his personal use of private jets, expensive meals, travel consultants, private security, and trips to the Bahamas for him and his family. We also know of him always having extremely expensive suits. The attorney general claims LaPierre spent more than 500000 of the NRA's assets to fly himself and his family members to the Bahamas. And from May 2015 to April 2019, the NRA incurred over $1 million in expenses for private flights in which LaPierre was not a passenger, according to the lawsuit. LaPierre received more than $1.2 million in expense reimbursements between 2013 and 2017. The other defendants are also accused of violating nonprofit laws and internal policies as they enriched themselves, the suit says contributing to the NRA's loss of more than $64 million in three years. So it looks like the NRA gave up on the Republican Party after Trump got elected in 2016. I think they thought, okay, that's, it. that's about as far as we're going to ever go. He's going to, of course, lose in 2020. So they, they, they were broke. By the 2020 election, they were broke. The NRA is barely alive today. And Wayne LaPierre has resigned, he's going away, and he's probably going to prison. Probably, most definitely, going to prison. And that's why I changed our historic deep dive today, because of that news. Very good news. A lot of good people working hard against the NRA. And then what's going to happen is, now that we're in 2024... The Democrats are going to decimate the Republicans in November. There's, a, there's big shifts going on, even in how people talk about that. That started about three weeks ago. Shifts going on in how people are talking about Joe Biden's chances in the election and what's going to happen. The 2022, of course, the red tsunami did not happen. It was just barely a little red drip. That happened in the House. <laughs> um, Fox News has begun to talk about that he could be president from prison. That's possible. So it sounds like they're thinking Trump is going to go to prison now. Uh, of course, MAGA Mike is back. Kinda. He was at the southern border pulling a silly stunt. 
that he's proving that he's not very good at doing this. Anyway, we're going to talk about all of that stuff, and I'll give you a teaser. The first thing we'll talk about when we come back is that by the end of January, Judge Arthur and Goron wants to give us his ruling on how much the Trump organization needs to be disengorged. We're going to talk about that and what would happen to things like Mar-a-Lago. We're going to be finding these things out in the next few weeks. It's going to get really interesting really fast now. So we'll take a short break. You're listening to A Satellite View. I'm Todd Mickelson. We'll be right back. By the way, the music you hear on this show is original Todd Mickelson music. You can find it at toddmickelson.com, as well as a bunch of writing that I've done over the years, including the article that I read part of in the uh, beginning of this episode. Now, like I said, Trump was found guilty in the fall of 2022 of all of this fraud in New York State. Letitia James was asking for $250 million of disengorgement. Now, she just today, again, just like an hour and a half ago or something like that, changed that to $370 million. You know, she's basically saying, okay, I think that you need to disengorge him for $370 million. There are a lot of people who are very knowledgeable who think it's going to go way higher than that. A few months ago, some of these people were saying they think it's going to be more like $600 million. And now, some of those same people, after finding out more through the trials, hearing what witnesses say, they're saying more like a billion dollars. I heard one, one woman who's a lawyer who really knows how this stuff works said she thinks it's going to possibly exceed $1 billion. It is going to be something because he's already been found guilty. I think he doesn't even understand, nor does his lawyer, Alina Haba, really understand that he's already found, been found guilty of the fraud. He's not on trial for whether or not he committed fraud. I think he thinks he is, and I think Alina Haba thinks he is because they don't seem to know how things work. This is another point. Trump cannot hire decent lawyers. He's gone through all of them. <laughs> and, and any decent lawyers refuse to work for him. He's asked a lot of decent lawyers, and they've said, nah, nope. No, thank you. I don't want to ruin my career the way every single lawyer who's worked for you has done. She's also asking for Donald Trump 
Eric Trump, Don Jr., uh, Weisselberg, uh, a couple other guys who work for the Trump organization. Letitia James is also asking Judge Arthur and Goran to rule to never let them do business in the state of New York again. She's protecting the people of New York. That's who the fraud was committed against. There are banks that lost money in the amount of interest that they could have gotten from Trump. And those banks were diminished in their funds so that they didn't have as much available for possibly other New York people to maybe start a business. That's what the fraud's all about. So she wants the state of New York to get paid back the money that Trump's organization fraudulently acquired. And she's got direct numbers, specific numbers in different categories that add up to $370 million. So that's kind of how that works. I'm going to read now uh, an interesting thing here from Salon. What's his name? George Conway went on the Jen Psaki show. Conservative attorney George Conway, he knows more about Trump than a lot of people because his vile wife, who I think they're divorced now, what's her name? Kellyanne Conway, worked for Trump. I think that's part of what caused their divorce. <laughs> anyway, so let's read from this article. So during an MSNBC appearance, Conway argued that Trump is increasingly making mistakes and babbling incoherently even more than usual because his mogul status is coming crashing down. And Gorin's ruling puts him out of business, puts Trump out of business, Conway told Jen Psaki, which means he's going to have to liquidate everything, including places like Mar-a-Lago, which are owned by New York LLCs. But then the question of how much of the proceeds of those sales, when he has to be put out of business, go to the state of New York. And that's what this is about, is what George Conway said. So Saki asked whether Trump could pay a potential judgment because he's rich. But Conway explained that Trump will be forced to sell off his assets if the ruling is upheld. The ruling will be upheld. Their right to do business in New York is canceled, as is the certificates of incorporation of the various LLCs and companies that he himself owns that are incorporated in New York, he said. So he can't do business. This is a death blow to Trump's businesses. So when I told you what might happen to Mar-a-Lago, he might have to sell it. Also, the E. Jean Carroll case, which he's already guilty in, Another ruling is coming on that second tier of that. It's getting conf quite confusing because there's so many. And people are saying that could be, you know, 25 million, 50 million. <laughs> uh, he already owes her 5 million from the first case with her. That's happening in like a few days, I believe, at least within the next couple of weeks. So we're going to get news as to how much Trump has to pay her in that civil suit. And then this one probably by the end of January, which some people think could go up to a billion dollars. He not only will be sitting in a courtroom for most of his presidential campaign, he will be losing everything he owns <laughs> and, and having no way of running a business. Will he stay living in uh, Florida if he has to sell Mar-a-Lago? Trump's whole thing about being a rich guy, of course, it was all BS uh, from the very beginning from the 1980s when he first started blowing the money that his daddy gave him. 
can hear in depth on that uh, on another episode if you go looking for it here on a satellite view. Really think about it. All of these Magots who think Trump's a successful businessman and he's rich and glamorous in Mar-a-Lago. He's got a super hot, they think, wife. She's really just sort of a, an illegal immigrant Slavic escort, but she's gone. We don't see her anymore. I mean, think about this. Trump going out of business. Trump having to sell Mar-a-Lago and everything he owns. Having to liquidate in order to pay the state of New York back. Wow. And by the way, when your only tactic is to delay, 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 doesn't that show guilt? If you're innocent, wouldn't you want these trials to get done as quickly as possible so you can run your presidential campaign free of court dates? Why are you trying to delay them so they're happening right in the middle of your campaign season? By the way, I still think that Trump's not going to end up being the nominee. I'm not sure how it's going to work at this point, but I just really feel strongly that he's not going to end up being the nominee. Now, I would hate for Nikki Haley to be the nominee. As I, you know, I want Trump to be the nominee because Joe Biden is going to kick his ass harder than he's going to kick anyone else's ass. But he's going to kick everyone else's ass. Nikki Haley was really improving. It was really looking like, hey, wow, she's going to come up from behind here. Her numbers are starting to come up. The timing of that is kind of good. And then she's asked the question, what's the reason for the Civil War? And she has in the past said, well, I don't know, change and tradition? So then the next question is, okay, what's the change? Well, the change would be that some people don't want it to stay legal for people to buy and rape slaves in this country? Okay, then what would be the tradition? Well, the tradition would be to defend the right to buy and rape slaves in this country. So she really blew it. And she's still fighting against that gaffe. Now, I was a candidate for the Minnesota State House of Representatives, quite a few steps down from running for president of the United States. And I had an answer ready for any question I could possibly think of that somebody would ask me. Of course, 99% of those questions I was never asked. But if I had been asked, I would have been ready to answer it. This is what you do when you're a candidate. When I first ran, I didn't have a campaign manager, but basically you get together with people and you try and think of, okay, what, have you paid your taxes on time? Have you blah, blah, blah? Have you blah, blah, blah? Have you ever gone bankrupt? Have you ever uh, killed anybody? Have you ever, you know, and you come up with answers on how to handle those things. Now, she's running for the president of the United States. She's been asked this question throughout the last 10 years a few times, and she's blown it every time. And now she's running for the president, and still nobody around her said, you have to say the reason for the Civil War was because of slavery. You have to say that, Nikki. I suppose nobody told her that because it's so obvious <laughs> that that would be your answer, that they just skipped over it. But deep down inside, she's afraid to say it because she's going to lose the 12 people who are Magat Trump supporters anyway. They're never going to support her. She's afraid of losing them. So she chooses to lose 99.9 repeating percent of all American voters <laughs> by not being able to answer that question. I mean, you know, she said, what do you want me to say about slavery? You know, 
Uh, it's it, economic freedom was one of the things she mentioned. Okay, the economic freedom to produce goods that are made by slaves. States' rights. Okay, states' rights to enslave and rape your slaves. Service, sacrifice, and heritage. That was one of her answers. I don't know if she's going to be the candidate. I don't know if Trump's going to be the candidate. I still just feel like he's not going to be somehow. There's just too many things crumbling around him, including his own health and cognitive skills. The reason they're talking about Joe Biden's cognitive skills is because they know Trump is losing his. Now, Joe Biden is starting to campaign. And today he's doing a speech talking about protecting our democracy because Trump has said, I want to be a dictator on day one. Of course, then you have people saying, well, he's only going to be a dictator for one day. That's not how dictatorship works. <laughs> you can't be a dictator for one day. And then the second day say, oh, no, I'm no longer a dictator. I'm going to play by all the rules. That's not how that works. So. This is what Biden is starting with. I think it's really smart. What I'm sure he's going to be ending with is going to be a woman's right to reproductive health care. And that includes access to a safe abortion. There's going to be, I don't know, five or more stories similar to the one in Texas from a couple of weeks ago throughout the year of 2024. All of these polls, if these polls are accurate, which they are not, but even if they were, it comes down to, in the end, no matter who it is, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, uh, Youngkin's not going to be the candidate. Everyone was pulling for him. The Republicans were pulling for him, but then he blew it. He said, let's do a 15-week ban. I think Nikki has said, you know, let the states decide. You know, some of them have said a 15-week ban. I think Vivek Ramaswamy, who's not basically not even a—I mean, he's never been a serious candidate— but he's kind of not in the running anymore. His polls uh, for, for primary voters have tanked. Polling primary voters in a party, those are going to be accurate because you know who they are. But just polling voters in general, those are not going to be accurate because people don't answer their phones. Phone polling, we, I don't know why they still do it. Anyway, you've heard me say that a million times. If a 15-week ban, you know, the Republicans treat it like, oh, I'm sure the Democrats will agree to that. Let's compromise. Well, a 15-week ban would not have saved the life of this woman. It would have killed her had she not been able to go find a state where she could have safe access to an abortion to save her life. That's the whole reason that we're talking about that women need to have a safe abortion. Because once it gets into something like her situation, it'll kill you. And by the way, this baby was not going to survive anyway. It was just going to suffer more. So they don't care about that either. And by the way, they don't care about the border. Here's another story that just came out today. I want to play you a piece of MAGA Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker of the House. He went on the Jake Tapper show. He's down at the border thinking that, hey, we, I think they brought like 60 or something. A whole bunch of Republican legislators spent money to go down to the border. You know, he, he said, oh, Joe Biden came down here for a photo op. Okay, what are you doing? It's just more stupidity. Jake Tapper is pressing him here about 
you know, why would you not work with Joe Biden? Joe Biden's trying to work with you on this. Joe Biden's coming your way. Why won't you accept any of that? Let's just listen to uh, Jake Tapper interviewing MAGA Mike Johnson, the Republican Speaker of the House. Yeah. This is a humanitarian crisis. We walked through the centers today, Jake. It would it would make the average American citizen cry to see what's happening here. And it must stop. Right. Uh, th which is why uh, some people are saying, why not pass the 14 billion dollar supplemental uh, bill that, that President Biden has put before you to at least try to help but, with some of these that, issues. That won't solve. That no, won't solve any of the problems no. I just articulated. Right, no, that won't no. do a darn thing. Well, no. it, I'm, I'm sure the people in the Border Patrol agents that, that you're with think it might do something, at least in terms of making their job a little easier for the next month no, or so. No, actually they don't, they don't. They don't want the $14 billion? No, no. I just quoted to you the deputy chief of the U.S. Border Patrol, and he said he doesn't need more buckets. In other words, he doesn't need more personnel to handle the flow. He needs to turn the flow off. That's what we're talking about. Look, this is not about sending more money down here. It's about yeah. changing the policy, and the White House seems not to understand that. Yeah, but I mean, even President Trump couldn't, couldn't turn the faucet off, right? I mean, I understand your point that he did more well, than, he, than Biden did. He but turned like, the flow down. Yeah, but it, like, it's not, it, he's, it's, a, it's the presidency, it's not... It's not a magician. But let me just ask you one quick question. So that's MAGA Mike just saying, no, that wouldn't solve anything. It, well, yeah, it would solve a lot. It would help. You're not willing to do anything. And by the way, when he says to shut off the flow, the Biden administration is making policy changes in South America to try and improve things for the countries that are sending people to the United States. That is how we need to do it. United States intervention in the South American countries that are now a mess because of, a lot because of that intervention. Go to Belize. It's a beautiful place. They're doing fine because there was no American intervention. But the countries all around Belize, people are fleeing from because they're getting killed. The Biden administration is trying to do much smarter tactics to try and shut off the flow. The House passed a bill that, of course, would never make it through the Senate and would never get signed by Joe Biden, and they know that. So still, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. In more of this interview, he says that it's essential that Biden passes that bill. They're threatening to shut down the government in, a, a, I don't know, what, a week or two? One of the first votes on shutting down the government, or at least a partial government shutdown, will happen. And MAGA Mike Johnson said, we might have to close down the government if Biden doesn't sign this bill. It hasn't even been taken up in the Senate yet, and if it were taken up in the Senate, it would not pass. And he knows that. So, because he knows that, here's another story. Let me be clear, though. Mike Johnson told Jake Tapper on national TV, just I think that was yesterday or the day before, we might have to shut down the government. This bill has to get passed. And Jake Tapper saying, you won't work with Biden at all? And he goes, no, none of that will help. No, I'm not going to work with Biden at all. He has to pass our bill. We won't come his way at all. I know he's trying to come our way, but we're not going to even deal with him. And he's telling his people, he's telling the House crazy Republicans that, no, I'm not dealing with Joe Biden. Of course, because that's what ended up getting McCarthy ousted because McCarthy didn't want to shut down the government. So here's something that just came out. Johnson floats opening negotiations with Biden. Speaker Mike Johnson told House Republican freshmen on a private conference call Thursday, yesterday, 
that he may try to negotiate directly with the White House on changes to border security and immigration policy. That's according to multiple sources familiar with the call. Okay, there's this guy. He's a freshman in the House. And Speaker Johnson agreed with this guy to hold a conference call with just freshmen in the House. And it's a private conference call. And somebody leaked it out that on this private conference call, (laughs) Mike Johnson's saying, I might just deal straight with the White House. So, you know, he's, he's lying to his own people, making opposing promises. When you do that, you can only keep one of those promises. The last guy who did this exact same thing got thrown out of the speakership. Yeah. Yet Democrats in disarray, right? (laughs) How is this bad for Biden, right? Yeah. Again, feels way too short. Gone over time a bit here. Having a lot of fun speaking at you, which I don't mean to be doing. Just trying to keep us all together on this to argue for what is good and against what is bad. Because there are a lot of people who are going to want to argue with you against what's good and for what's bad. Make sure we stick together in 2024. If we do, we're going to sweep everything up. The Republicans know that. Like I said, Fox has already begun to say, well, if Trump wins, uh, he could be president from jail. So they're thinking he's going to jail, apparently. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another show. Talk to you then. You've been listening to A Satellite View with Todd Mickelson. Go to ToddMickelson.com for links and more information.